0: Afternoon show. I'm your host, Bill Arnold. I've got Colossians open, and starting in chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, Mm -hmm. so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I, I pray for that all the time for my listeners. That uh, First of all, I pray for you, and I'm always asking God to to fill you with the knowledge of his will, and I am ask that for myself as well. So it's going to be a great hour. Todd Mulligan is in studio. We're going to be chatting about a number of things, one of which will include his book, his most recent book, called Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families we're going to talk today about relationships and how we go from being transactional to transformative. He's going to give us information on that. And Todd was nice enough to bring a number of copies of his book that I can give away. So if you want to get in on the drawing, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. And you'll just fill out a form. There'll be a a, a link and you know the drill. 877-933-2484. You only just text the word book. All right. Todd is a counselor in Edina, Minnesota, and he's been doing that for a while. He's uh, he's written a number of books, and I've always liked talking to Todd. Todd, welcome. Thanks,
1: Bill, for having me.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things today, mm-hmm. the book being one for sure. We've touched on this before, but we haven't gone through all of it, and there's part in the back that talks about the new dance, and that's a Exciting
1: chapter. <laughs> what does the new dance mean? Well, the end of the book talks about how people can move from this transactional style of just kind of getting through the days and enduring this capacity of one person being really controlling, one person being really passive, and how do we just kind of get through the days. And uh, even if they're starting to do better, what I usually notice with couples is it evolves into kind of a check the box and be transactional together. Hey, here's what needs to be done today. How are we doing? How are the kids doing? Uh, What's happening? Just kind of business check-ins, if you will. And that isn't horrible, Bill, Mm -hmm. but it just usually leads to kind of a coexistence and so a lot of the folks that come in to see me will just talk about gala we just feel like we're stuck and kind Mm -hmm. of in transaction land i would guess there's not a lot of intimacy there it's kind of an execution
0: form of living you pick up this i'll take the kids there we'll get dinner here you know that kind of thing for sure it's it's called life right got to do that part got to do that part but um if you don't pay attention to some of the other things it's
1: Yeah, and, it's, and if you're a couple that's in your 20s and you're just getting off, you know, to a good start, sometimes it evolves into that as well. So our folks on the backside that are into retirement and are bumping into each other a lot, but feeling like it's fairly transactional. Now, of course, there's some that are in more difficult shoes, which I call more of a toxic or traumatic. Relationship where the toxicity is noisy and, and those are experiencing a lot of trauma and toxic patterns that really need a lot of, if you will, surgery counseling-wise. But a, a lot of folks evolve out of that over time but stay in that transactional place. So moving into transformative stuff is enjoyable. And I think what God calls us to, again, not because we should but because we get to, and we get to come towards each other. And uh, be each other's best friend, right? And be each other's partner in Christ and and support each other on the journey. And that's when marriage gets, you know, just more uh, satisfying and content-based. Uh, but it's really easy to get into the transactional business-like mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember hearing Pastor Chuck Swindoll
0: talk about his relationship with his wife. And early on in their marriage, he, she would, you know, do something that would bother Chuck and And his attitude is, you know, he'd be mad and he'd go, that's my wife, you know. And then after 50 years of marriage, he would say, that's my wife. Mm. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and when it comes down to accepting each other's differences, that's Mm. a critical
1: critical point, isn't it? Mm. Boy, I love the way you said that because it's much easier to come with that judgy, pharisaical voice, Mm -hmm. you know, versus the, hey, we all have issues voice and I'm for you and let's figure this out. And here's what I love about who you are. And you say, love the spouse you have
0: versus the spouse you don't have. Mm. So true. I I learned that from you, and that stuck with me.
1: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of things you say that really stick with me. (laughs) So the first idea is how are we coming towards each other, right? What are a few things couples can do to come towards each other and... I talk. I think there's some things that men and women can do specifically that might be a little bit different. But one thing they can do that, I don't know how this sounds to you, Bill, but national research suggests that it helps when couples do things on a five-to-one ratio where we're sharing five affirmations for every one criticism. And oftentimes when we're courting or if we're early on in our dating relationship, we might be pretty good at that. We might just be... De- be majoring on the things that are important and noticing all the best parts about each other and letting some nickel and dime stuff go because we're really in love and we're committed to each other in Christ and we're just like we became rooted in Christ, we're also being rooted in each other. and <laughs> You know, we're just all in, right? Yeah, the sales and marketing portion of the relationship.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you right. Get it, and you get into administration and finance <laughs> and,
1: That's <right>. you know, <sighs> other things. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but the five to one, I think, think is a, a loving challenge that helps us look at what we're for with each other versus what we're against. So if I leave here, right, Bill, and think of the three things that bothers me about Laura the most, I'm going to have a bad night, mm-hmm. right? Or if I'm on my way home and she's thinking of the two things that, you know, oh, and that's yeah. all she's thinking about, we're going to have a bad night. So it doesn't mean we have to ignore that because we got to talk about the one, mm-hmm. but boy, like Paul's saying from prison, you know, what do we think about, Yeah, right? What are we thinking about? So it's really... And it's actually as God has made us in his image, right, Bill, where if I'm thinking about things that I love about who my wife is or when I have couples do that, it's not, you know, immediately transformative, but it does bring us closer because we just sense that from each other, Mm -hmm. right? We sense that, boy, they're noticing me or especially for men, I think it's important every day to how am I choosing my wife, Again, not out of a duty or obligation or guilt, but... But a desire. A, yeah, I get to. Yeah. So the, yeah. the woman, that's the second thing I think guys can do besides the 5 to 1 is, how am I coming towards her and just choosing her today? Mm-hmm. When you talk to counsel, uh,
0: couples in counseling, Todd, do you suggest that this 5 to 1 ratio might appear obvious in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Because if, I'm, if you're going to say, you know, five things out of the blue that are going to be affirming... Isn't the spouse going to go, oh, he's applying
1: one of Todd's principles right now to (laughs) me? I I wonder if he means it. (laughs) Oh, you're hitting on such a good point about attitude, right? Yeah. uh, My men's group is going through Philippians, which has really been great because we just got through Exodus. That took 100 years. But we're now in Philippians. And, you know, the attitude that I'm supposed to have of uh, uh, that Christ Jesus had towards me. And so putting the interest of others before ourselves. And, of course, sometimes, you know, codependence can take that too far. But there's something about putting, you know, our spouse's interest above our own in a way that's gentle and affirming. So then I'm, I get a better shot of my attitude being better in that, in that situation you just brought up. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if a spouse feels nervous about
0: being judged or not accepted, obviously that's going to be brutal on their psyche, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how's that dance going to go if you're always feeling like you're a little bit on eggshells?
1: Yeah, that's going to be a problem where, again, some people are a conflict avoidant, Bill. They feel like, if boy, this isn't going to go well, so I won't say that because if I bring that up, I will be judged. Or last time I brought that up, it didn't go well. Or I feel like, in fact, you know, when I give out a form bill about 10 things that would be helpful in your marriage, usually people put being accepted for who I am as number one or number two. Mm. Wow. Because most of the time over time, we tend to feel more judged about what we're not yet. Yeah. So I think when we go into that, when we feel judged a lot, it can really either shut us down or really light us up and get us on the top of Anger Mountain mm-hmm. pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it's all.
0: love the person you're married to, not the person you're not married to.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the comparison stuff comes in a lot. Mm. And I think in general that's something that uh, the woman can work on is how am I accepting him for who he is versus who he isn't. So I think... In the same way that women struggle with not feeling chosen by their guy, mm-hmm. I think in general men feel like they're just, it It doesn't matter what they do, it's not enough. And I think that's a challenge for the woman to look at who he is versus who he isn't. And I think it's a challenge for us men especially to how are we looking for our wife and noticing her and finding her today. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a, a battle where we sometimes don't do that and left to our own desires Men might just kind of float and think things are okay when they're not. And sometimes the woman will be too identified by what her guy is or isn't doing. So there's just some general things I've still noticed over the last 35 years. So I think it's a good call out. to And I think I've found that in general men enjoy knowing like, hey, they enjoy being challenged about things that are really difficult and we have to deal with that. But they also enjoy hearing what they are doing well, too. Because I think a lot of times as guys, we really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Am I enough? You know, am I a good enough radio host? Am I a good enough yes. professor or counselor? Yes. He said so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be affirming, oh, Todd. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Oh. So do you like to win every disagreement with your spouse or partner? Do you tend to avoid conflicts with your family? Do you tend to build resentments or release them? Do you tend to adjust what you say to your significant other based on how you think they will respond? If those are questions in your head or feelings you have, you're going to want to get in the drawing for a Todd's book. It's called Being Right versus Being Liked. Text the word book to 8779332484. Again, 8779332484. We've got a number of copies that we can give out and you can be one of the lucky ones today to be in the drawing and win a copy. If you also have a question or a comment or a concern or a clarification you need on what we're talking about, let me know what that is. You can send me a text message to the same number, 877-933-2484. If you're more comfortable with email, email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Bill at myfaithradio.com. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can go to toddmulliken, dot com. Be right back. Todd Mulligan, this is my guest in studio. He's written a book called Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. We're talking about the dance, which is uh, kind of uh, discussing the opportunity that we have to go from being transactional to transformational in our relationships. So uh, I was thinking earlier, Todd, about the idea that people need predictability and they need... um, What's the other word I used security the break?
1: Uh, st- a stability
0: stability yeah stability mm-hmm. and predictability those are, are things that I think help people develop a sense of, of uh, confidence and mm-hmm. and if you didn't have that growing up or if there was if that's a part of your history mm-hmm. you might bring that into your adult relationships mm-hmm. where you, you go I just kind of want predictability and mm-hmm. if you're not getting that then you're then you're all over the map
1: yeah so well said and we talked a lot in my field and about in in as a professor too I talk a lot about attachment styles so you and I have a, ideally a secure attachment style with the Lord where we go to him for our, our love, our concerns you know, feel held and then we go out and play mm-hmm. we come, we feel close, we feel held we go out and play, feel disciplined feel corrected, we go out and play so it's a secure base to go to and so Oftentimes folks in their upbringing have an insecure base to go to because more often than not, even if it's a you know, pretty healthy home, but the conflicts you have with the parents, you know, the parent just kind of unintentionally leaves you alone in that frustration. So now you're kind of alone when you're hurt. Does that make sense? So now mm-hmm. when you're a big person and you're with somebody and you're hurt you feel alone in that and you crave, you know, what can I do with this? Where can I go for this? Mm-hmm. How can I get close to this person? Cause I, so what that develops either is an anxious attachment style, Bill, where we're really possessive, jealous, clingy. we got to fix every conflict in order to feel we've got predictability and stability. Mm-hmm. Or, or we just kind of pull back and go, this is not feeling good. I'm going to avoid and develop more of an avoidant attachment style. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I think we all as children of God need that sense of security in our attachment style with our spouse. And it doesn't mean it's a perfect relationship, right? But it means that we can come towards each other and have a sense of predictability or security like we know we're for each other even when we disagree even when we see things differently as parents, with our kids, as in finances, in our intimate life, in our political differences, in our you know theological differences, we still can know that we're for each other. So I think a second tool that helps couples develop a transformative piece is to know that they can be for each other and create that security and stability in good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. That, so that predictability and security, instability is right on I'm really glad you brought that up yeah so when you talk about going
0: from transactional to transformational it se- it seems according to some information here in your book that it, in marriage it's real easy to start with individuals kind of knowing what's wrong with mm. their spouse so they kind of develop a list whether it's either in their head or maybe even out loud these areas of what they see as deficiency and then things are off on the right the wrong track aren't they
1: they are. And, you know, and sometimes a blame game, books don't do us any favors here. Because usually when I hand out a couple, uh, a book on marriage, you know, I might highlight the areas I need my spouse to work on. And here, <laughs> I want you to read this book. You know, yeah. it's not really so. The last part of, of my book and the third piece of being transformative is, is work on your own side of the street. So let each other in by saying, hey, you know, here's, some things I'm struggling with about what we're going through, how do you see it? Uh, and so if I am kind of feeling frustrated by something that my spouse has done, how do I address that issue but not be defined by that? Because otherwise it does get blamey, and we again, we look at what they're not versus what they are. And, you know, Bill, I think in general sometimes the self-help field is, can not do us any favors there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's like, of course, if we're married to an adulterer or an addict or somebody that has a personality disorder like narcissism or borderline personality disorder or untreated bipolar disorder where it's chaotic and it's toxic and it's so difficult, we've got to address that mess, right? Mm -hmm. But for the garden variety couple that has, you know, struggles and difficulties, but not to that level we, we don't want to start being Mr. and Mrs. Flawfinder, where we just kind of like, hey, I'd love to chat with you about the three things that are wrong with you today, yeah. and let's have a cup of coffee and talk about right. that. So, yeah, we want to address the mess. We just don't want to be defined by the mess. Yeah. So, uh, great point.
0: Okay, so if we're stepping into this uh, new reality of being transformational, does that mean that both people will have mutual vulnerability.
1: It does. So What does that
0: mean and what does that look like?
1: It looks like, you know, and this is where I think marriage gets can be really kind of actually enjoyable where, you know, uh you, you know, you, I'm say to my spouse, "You know, I've, I I think God is really doing this. This is what I picked up from my study today. I don't know. What do you think, honey?" Or uh, you know, I'm feeling really distant from the Lord. I don't know what's going on. I feel like the Holy Spirit's on a different continent right now, and I'm just not feeling close to God. I know he's indwelled in me. So, again, letting each other in spiritually doesn't mean we're you know, always talking about that, but, boy, can we get some dialogue about just what we're each going through versus kind of immediately noticing what our spouse just doesn't get right yet you know, and just kind of diving in on that. It's better off to lead out with some of my own things that I'm battling or struggling with within my own life. Or like if we're in a conflict and we have a cool down after a conflict, am I thinking back to my own family history and what I'm trying to figure out or am I just reading a book about how my wife is a loser and here's the three things wrong with her? If I'm just doing the latter... Then I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, I don't got the plank in my own eye I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing stones versus looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really easy to do that. So I'm saying we get to do both. You know, we get to say, hey, it was really hurtful for me when this happened. So we're not ignoring that. But we're also saying, here's what I need to be doing differently. Mm-hmm. And when we let each other in about what we're each working on a little bit from time to time, it's so transformative because we're more for each other. We, you know, we're supporting each other in what God's doing in their life. Or a friend, a friend really let them down. Or work is horrific and I have to, or I'm have or i being let go tomorrow. Or, you know, we're, we're becoming each other's best friend over time. So we're connected so we don't feel alone so we don't feel that insecurity and that instability we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. If we're listening to each other well, is it important that we have some ability to suspend the history we have with each other? Mm. Because if you say, yeah. you say, "I feel like the Holy Spirit's in a different continent," and I go, oh, "I'm just rolling my eyes, going, here yeah. he goes again with the Holy Spirit in another continent thing." Sure. And yeah. and how do I how do I hear you in that moment? Right. Versus going,
1: eh, "Here we go again." you <laughs> Yeah, so worst case scenario, I said it every day the last year, okay? And I just, I'm in a room full of mirrors and okay. I have a narcissistic edge and it's yeah. always about me, okay? okay? That's worst case scenario. Okay. Right? If that's happening, then that spouse needs to say, I hear what you're saying, but my mind is going here when you're saying that, too, hon, because we've talked about it a lot and I'm feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I'm struggling with that. I'm just letting you in on that. So again, that's different than forgetting about it and just not being, being afraid to bring it up. So it's addressing a pattern that's there, if mm-hmm. there is a pattern like mm-hmm. that, right? And instead, because I think this is where you know I think Satan comes in, just has a field day. It's like you know your spouse is really opening up, and they're kind of just talking about something, and you know they're feeling either really frustrated about it or really hopeful about it. And yesterday they kind of hurt you about something mm-hmm. with something. You know, you just kind of got a hangover from that emotionally. You don't want to really be there for them right there. Yeah, good you're going. Point. Hey, you know, happy for you or really sad about that for you, but hey, I'm still thinking about yesterday. (laughs) So how do we (laughs) kind of once in a while get over ourselves and join them in that? Because we get to. So I think it's yes to both. We've got to be doing both. We've got to let each other in about the tough stuff, but we also got to listen. This is, I think, a big thing, especially for the male. Like, golly, I see it all the time. My own life, I see it in my office every day where... You know, when the woman is just, just expressing, oftentimes she'll say something in that moment she doesn't mean for the rest of her life. Okay. Or a man might do the same thing if he's has that kind of emotional, you know, expressive, expressive voice. It's important when the woman's expressing that the guy isn't going, okay, now how do I get her to fix that? Or I'm here, boy, this is not good. So what can I do to help her fix this? Instead, it's just got to be a time to let the feelings land Mm -hmm. and a time just to say, I I can't believe you're going through that. That's really hard. Or even if it's something where they're being, they're hurt by something we've done, I hear you, you know, tell me more about that or Mm -hmm. what are you noticing? So that's big. And then the big thing for the woman to work on is when the guy is opening up a little bit, make sure the woman doesn't tell the guy what he's feeling. I see that all the time. Well, well, here's what you're feeling. Ooh,
0: yeah, that's yeah, and not good, you know,
1: right? And, and uh, here's the four things I've noticed about you.
0: Yeah. So, all right, Todd Mulliken is my guest. We got several of his books to give away. All you have to do is text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Being right versus being liked, as we talk about the uh, transformation, Todd. When we come back, I want to ask you about uh, the new dance. And does that need? Uh, does that mean you you don't have to be right or liked? That's all ahead coming up next. Welcome back. So glad to have Todd Mulligan in studio. We're chatting about his new book, Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. So in this new transformation, uh, Todd, the new dance, uh, that means that you have to put to the side your need to be right. And mm-hmm. your need to be liked.
1: That's not easy. Right. Maybe ask yourself as a listener, where are you on that continuum? Are you more of a a fighter under stress and just want to get the last word in and really need to do that and have a hard time if you just got something wrong, which we do every day? Or are you more on that end where you just want things to always go okay and if what I say isn't received well, then that must mean that must mean I did it wrong, or this is not a good situation because we are in a disagreement, and are you also unintentionally just wanting to receive personal affirmation by your lead out? So I think we all have tendencies towards one or the other, and so I've just noticed some beauty in when the person that needs to be right is increasing kind of empathy and slowing down and asking their spouse what do they think and creating interactions versus interrogations and listening more than talking. That really helps. And then I've also found when the person needs to be liked isn't visiting their local resentment bank every day and putting up a few bucks in there, Mm -hmm. that they just are more honest in the moment about what's going good and what's not going so well. And not to view conflicts as steps back. Because I think people that want to be liked also have a tendency to think that, you know, all conflicts are bad news. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to work on our own side of the street...
0: We're going to need to slow down enough each day and try to be mindful and present with our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices. What's the strategy for getting that to work?
1: <laughs> well, it's this may sound way too simplified, okay. now, but if we're talking about anything from a mild hurt that you and I have experienced in a relationship to a significant impulsive issue of ADHD to a you know, we have panic disorder, so we have lots of anxiety, or we have, you know, um, uh, you know, a couple of narcissistic symptoms where we just get elevated and agitated and um, are become arrogant, or whatever you and I are experiencing in that moment of stress. It's usually a sign that our engine is just running too hot, too fast. Mm-hmm. And that's when you hear, be still and know that I am God. That's when you hear, you know, slow down. And we're noticing through lots of double-blind um, controlled studies internationally that the power of just slowing down gives us a better chance to move out of our house of fear, which is a lot of a lot of rooms in it, mm-hmm. to the house of truth. So, Bill, with whatever you and I are struggling with, whatever, you know whatever hardships we're dealing with, most of the damage is done with the impulsive choices or, you know, for the addict, right? The impulsive physiology just to use when they're coping. So the power of slowing down first and breathing and knowing who is God and knowing that he, he does have control and knowing that we are loved and knowing that we are approved and we are accepted. Sometimes, gives us a better chance to know what is true. And maybe I can make a more reasonable choice in that moment. Mm -hmm. Listener
0: says, uh, would you ask Todd what advice he would give to a spouse who does not want to admit his wrongdoing or even recognize it when convicted? How do you even extend forgiveness to such
1: spouse? Right. Um, so, and, I, and when convicted, even? I'll say it again. Uh, this is that last part. So even yeah. if even if he or she is feeling convicted, they still are not um, owning it, right? Yeah. Would you ask, Todd, what advice you would give to a spouse who
0: does not want to admit his wrongdoing mm-hmm. or even recognize it when convicted?
1: Oh, ah, got it. So, yeah. so I was going to say the good news there, at least there's a momentary... No, they're not, sense even, of,
0: <laughs> not even recognizing it. Right. Yeah. So
1: they're convicted maybe in the moment, but they're not recognizing it, right? So yeah. usually what happens to that person is that in that moment, they, you know, and more often than not, not always, but more often than not, it goes back to the upbringing of typically being bullied, and now I'm going to bully. Typically I was never right, so now I'm always going to be right. So that stress of just knowing like, hey, I get to know that I, I I messed up on that one. God still loves me. My spouse is still for me. I get to acknowledge that I made a mistake there. So I think the best thing your listener can do there is to to let uh, their spouse in to say, you know, it's, this is really hard for me. I feel distant. I feel discouraged when you're not at least sharing, you know, your part in that, hon. I'm for you, but I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that person will change in the moment, but we're starting to have my first boundary, which is an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. Because the alternative is worse. Yeah. So how do you even extend forgiveness to such spouse? Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Just part two of the question. Yeah, the part two there is, you know, I think forgiveness is more about understanding in my mind. So I probably have an understanding of what happened to that person in their upbringing, in their childhood. So it doesn't mean I'm letting, you know, I'm feeling like I'm just not going to bring it up. But it means I have understanding of this person's trauma and difficulty, so I forgive them for what they're going through, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm hurting, and this is really difficult for me, right? So in my mind, forgiveness isn't about, you know, we want the best for that person, et cetera, but it doesn't mean we don't share what's on our mind and the hurt that we're experiencing, so I think the person can do both, mm-hmm. and oftentimes we do one or the other. Either we just kind of let it go and just say, well, I'm just supposed to forgive seven times seven and forgive as the Lord forgave me, and then deny the hurt we're feeling, or we just stay stuck in this resentment, and we never get to release the re- the person and forgive. Mm-hmm. Would a
0: good first step, Todd, be to, to to say, are we letting each other in or taking things out on each other? Right. I mean, that that's fairly subjective
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is it's so much better to so if you're an avoider don't take it out on them two years later and just pile on in the moment just say here's what I'm experiencing what do you think if you're kind of a fire ready aim person well let's take a breath take a breath and then say what's on your mind and create an interaction So how are we doing with creating an interaction versus an interrogation? Mm -hmm. That's huge. Because otherwise, the person who is a fire-ready aim person, Bill, you know, the person's impulsive under stress, just kind of reactionary, and they feel better after they got to the top of Anger Mountain real quick, they they get to the top of Anger Mountain and share their feelings, and then, oh, my gosh, you know, the other person's going, what just happened? They need to slow down first and think about what they're saying.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Todd, when couples come into your office and they want to... Obviously, make their get their relationship to a better place. How do they frame it? Do they say we want to stop fighting? Do they say we want a greater level of intimacy? I'm just curious how most couples
1: would frame their goals. That's a great question. I think in general, communication. You know, we're not we're feeling disconnected or we're struggling is code for we're not handling conflicts well. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things I've noticed more recently, Bill, seems like each couple has like three bank accounts. They have a bank account emotionally where they remember, you know, the good things that have going on in their life, the sandbox time, you know, the great memories they do have, Mm -hmm. whether it's yesterday or 30 years ago or all the above. And that bank account is going. And then you have this middle bank account, this kind of day-to-day stuff where, you know, good news, bad news, but it's just kind of there. And then you have the difficult stuff that goes unresolved, the traumatic stuff. And that bank account tends to be where couples kind of gravitate to all the time and just dwell there versus kind of doing both. Mm-hmm. So they come in usually because the conflicts and how they're managing it is so unhealthy that they feel like they can't go to the sandbox and play and remember the good times. So I try to have them do both. I try to say, hey, you know, let's deal with this hard stuff and know we're in journey on that. And let's try to do conflicts better so we're not defined by them, but learn from them. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a journey that won't change overnight, but we're both for doing our part better. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing that, trust me, once you start playing in the sandbox and start doing five to one slowly and start being for each other, that, the conflict's... Don't happen as much either. Does that make sense? Yeah. Versus sometimes people just go into therapy and they spend 100 years in there about, hey, here's the latest conflict. We'll see you next week. Here's the latest conflict. We'll see you next week. And Mm -hmm. all they're doing, they're walking out with a limp every time. Mm -hmm. Versus here's the conflict. How are we dealing with that? How are we hearing each other? How are we trying to support each other in that? How can we get better at that? And when's our next getaway? And when's our next date? And how are we for each other still? Mm -hmm. So I think both are important. But
0: there's going to be fits and starts with this process, isn't there? Oh, please. yeah. It's yeah I mean. Absolutely, Bill. Like, and w- would you say that, that that men or women are more black and white mm-hmm. in general? In general. In general. Are,
1: in general, men are more black okay. and white. But you'll have women that sometimes have compartmentalization brains. Okay. But in general, based on personality, yeah. right? But, but in f- general, it's that way.
0: Yeah. But if you want to try one of these strategies and it maybe doesn't work so well the first time and you're black and white, you go, ah, that's enough. That's not going to work. right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, That's right. enough. It's a one-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Counseling that was really helpful. Great. We walk out, we feel worse. Great. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's this person? Yeah. Right. Versus, no, I tell every couple with conflicts, whether we're dealing with a mini hurt or a severe trauma, this the way you handle conflict. Just so you know, everybody down your block really struggles too. So everybody's smiling in front of the camera, mm-hmm. but when pe- hurt people hurt people, and when people are struggling with hurt, it's really hard to do that well. Mm-hmm. So we want to get better at that. Because we're for that. You know, so, hey, of the next 10 conflicts we have, let's see if we can bat three for 10, they'll put us in the Hall of Fame. So let's see if we can get three of those better than we have the past 300. Mm-hmm. So I usually tell people that's it's a journey, it's fits and starts, but please also be building this other bank account of what you're for while, so that'll give you the energy in Christ to handle some of the difficult stuff that's hard. Yeah. That doesn't change overnight.
0: Don't we always want to work on our identity in Christ? Isn't yeah. that first and foremost? Because right. if, we, if we understand we're
1: completely unconditionally loved by,
0: by God, don't we bring a lot better game to the table?
1: I think it's easier than to let each other in versus take things out on each other. I think it's easier for me to work on my own side of the street when I just got done... You know, hearing in Philippians, like, hey, put the interests of others in front of yourself. Hey, have the attitude you're supposed to have of Christ Jesus. How am I gonna integrate that f- integrate that passage into how I treat my spouse versus our Christianity being kind of a side thing that's helpful and cozy and we bring it to Sunday and we bring it to our friendships, but we don't really bring it into the home. So I totally agree with you, Bill. It's much easier for me when I'm in a when I'm just yielding to the Father, when I know my dependency is mm-hmm. on God. I got a better shot to have a lot more mercy towards my spouse and have hard conversations and have wonderful conversations because I know who's I'm lo- who I'm loved by and I know that God is for me and he's bringing, I'm bringing his contentment and his advocacy into this hard conversation. Yeah. When we slow down enough to tell ourselves that, we got a better shot to do our part better. Yeah. I mean, if grace is pouring out
0: of heaven into your life, that's got to help your, your relationships on earth here.
1: <laughs> right. You go look at I'm 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 loved God, he uh, he likes me yeah yeah, and it it and that doesn't mean that the relation the um the volley might not go any better because your spouse might be in a really tough place that's true, but you're still knowing uh who who you're loved by and you're you're having mercy for that but you're also having a hard conversation and we also know that Jesus had plenty of hard conversations with difficult situations mm-hmm. so we know our Lord. isn't just saying, do as I say, not as I do. He modeled that for us with hard conversations, Mm -hmm. too. After a break, we'll be back with Todd Mulliken, and we've got uh, several
0: books to give out. Being Right versus Being Liked is the name of the book, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We'll put your name in the drawing, and good chance you'll win one. Be right back. We're back with Todd Mulliken, and we're talking about relationships, and they can be complicated, kind of like assembling Ikea furniture. Not easy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's traumatic. Yeah. I, I remember the last time I tried that. <laughs> oh, my word. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now they have people that come out and do it for you, which is nice. nice. All right, nice. Todd, let's uh, let's do a little review. What are mm. your... For five points out of this book. We can just uh, give listeners a little taste.
1: Yeah, of so the end of the book is basically saying how can we dance well together as couples and what can we do? And so what I've noticed most, more recently is, especially during COVID, it gets even louder, I think, of this transactional kind of relationship where we're just going through the motions and we're just stuck and we're stressed. So how do we move from transactional to transformative? So first thing I mentioned is come towards each other. So how am I coming towards my spouse more more and making an effort to do that because out of being the fact that I'm loved by God, how am I coming towards that person versus kind of having a coexistence? And what are a couple of things that men can do with the five to one and pursuing our wives, making them feel chosen, and then listening to their concerns? As a woman, how am I doing with accepting my spouse and affirming what is beautiful? How am I doing the five to one? And how am I making sure I'm not telling him what he's feeling but letting him in about what I'm going through? say that one more time because that's I think
0: that's really important not telling each other how you're feeling. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's really tough when you're on the receiving end and your spouse is telling you what you're feeling. That is not good. Even
0: so, if they even if they're right, you're going
1: to feel triggered. Correct. Right? <laughs> right. So let me take <laughs> Let me take care of my side of the street yeah. and thank you very much. I but I do want to know Well, it's easier to be less defensive if the person is letting you in about what they're experiencing. Like I've had really great breakthroughs with couples when the person is not interrogative, but more just saying, I'm scared and I don't don't know what's going on with us, but I love you. I just don't know what's happening versus, you know, here's what you're doing. And I know this is why you're feeling the way you are. And I think this is what you're doing. And I know for sure this is what it is. You know what I mean? So then you're you're feeling interrogated, you're feeling accused, you're feeling shamed, you're feeling, and that usually is either going to set the other person off or it's going to shut them down. So I think it's really important that we create interactions versus interrogations. Then I think it's also important that, as we've mentioned, Bill, we let each other in versus take things out on each other. Mm -hmm. So let each other in about what's beautiful, let each other in about what's difficult, by saying what we're experiencing versus taking it out on each other ver- by either shutting down and using the silent treatment or just interrogating and accusing and shaming. It's usually the, the two edges we see. So that's really, really hurtful to the relationship. It's Better, it's very transformative to say, "Here's what I'm experiencing. I'm really hurt, and I don't know what to do. How about you? Where are you at? You know, we're creating interactions, we're creating volleys versus interrogations. That's a huge one to keep couples in over in this transformative place more often than not. Mm -hmm. And then also, how are we? You know, you've heard me say, speak without offending, listen without defending. That's a critical piece when I'm leading out towards my spouse on something difficult. I'm just trying to create an interaction, not an interrogation. And as importantly, when I'm listening, I'm just trying to do what James says. I'm just trying to be quick, quick to listen Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus quick to attack or quick to, you know, fire back or quick to deflect or minimize or avoid. I got to be quick to listen because I got, oh, I I trust this person's intentions. Even though we've had a hard time with conflicts, I trust that they're not waking up trying to make life hard on me. Mm Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, your spouse is not doing it. They're not waking up saying, here's the, think the two things I'm going to do to make life hard on you. And if we're there, then we need, really need to have a conversation about that. But more often than not, we want to trust each other's intentions. And then, honestly, Bill, with transformational relationships, I've seen a lot of couples grow a lot when... You know, I wish we had unconditional love for each other, but I think only God's got that figured out. (laughs) We need to yield to Him for that. But when we, I just noticed that when couples are working on their own side of the street and saying, you know, I, you know, hon, I think when I'm stuck in that conflict, I know where that's coming from. I know my root, and I'm sorry. And I think some of that's been the couple struggles you and I have had, but I also think some of it's from my story growing up. And here's what I think I mean, that is so um, disarming, Bill when the person is sharing that way under in, in their pain, in their Mm -hmm. struggle, it's very uh, hurtful to the marriage when we're just taking out our past on our spouse or we're, you know, accusing versus letting in. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is when we're in those squishy hard times to just do the best I can to let my spouse in about what I'm experiencing. And, See where they're at and see what they think, and we got to do a better job of creating policies. Now, all that being said, Bill, like you've heard me say today, do we still know when our next getaway is? Do we know when our next date is? Do we know that next couple we want to have in our bubble during COVID? You know, here who are, who are the people? How am I doing? What's life giving for me in my individual time? How are we going for those walks? How am I trying to do something amidst all the uncertainty of these days? So how am I really coming towards my spouse, but also how am I taking care of myself in Christ well, so I'm re-energized. So one of my books talks about these three tiers of time. So we have marriage time on top, where we have daily sharing, we have dates, we have getaways, we have spiritual intimacy, and we have regular intimacy. Mm -hmm. We're for that. Second tier is family stuff. So how are we doing with our extended family? How are we doing with our own kids if we have kids? how we creating traditions, discussions. But the third tier is our own individual time. So what are we doing in our own individual time that will help us feel life-giving stuff? So I just got a chance to hang out with a good friend of mine, uh, socially distanced, safe way, and I just felt lit up by that. And I came back home, and I just couldn't wait to see my wife kind of thing. we got to make time for that, mm-hmm. especially during all this time of uncertainty.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there any no-nos that people should uh, consider when they're trying to take this step of transformation like let's not talk in texts anymore (laughs) because I know that just triggers bad things and and you you don't
1: one of the things I talk about a lot is clarifying conversations and they're hard enough it's hard enough to misread each other bill face to face Mm -hmm. but it's really easy to misread each other over text or over you know email yeah I really I'm not a fan you know I Hard conversations, let's do it face-to-face for sure. Yeah. And then if I feel something towards my spouse, like they're saying something and it was really just a disagreement, but I felt attacked by it, I got I got to at least share that. And then, they, and then they got to say, God, that wasn't my intention. My intention is this. So clarifying conversations I've found can really stop the bleeding too when we're having a tough day. Clarify what your intention was. Mm-hmm. And then start to trust each other's intentions going into the day. Mm-hmm. And that can help move you more into that transformational category versus the transactional ta- category, or even worse, the, the toxic category.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Todd, is it worth saying uh, in a
0: conversation, it's my desire to speak without being offensive, oh. and it's and it's my hope that you can listen without being defensive? Or are you setting yourself up for the battle royale if you come out with that?
1: Well, the first part was perfect. I you, know, I know. But... <laughs> the, prea- the preamble is like... Yeah. You just here's my intention. I'm for you, and here's here it goes. You know, but tr- please trust my intention because I'm for you. The so defense stop it there, maybe, huh? Yes. Okay. Totally love that because that's your intention. I think last time I was on you, you said it so well. You said, you know, if we can just have a scripted kind of lead in, and of course we're kidding, but it really helps. That's that slowing down piece, not out of fear, but slowing down and go. God, you know what, God, what are you for here? Mm-hmm. How do we creating mercy versus interrogations? And that slowing down just for a minute really helps us receive the comfort from the Holy Spirit, know that we're advocated for, know that we get to rec- receive comfort, know we got a better shot to slow down first. Slowing down always helps. It doesn't mean it might feel like five minutes, but it's only like 10 seconds. Yeah. Just got to regulate the engine. And that's an answer for a lot of emotional and mental health issues, is the slowing down, praying it up making a, a wiser choice, speaking from a place of truth versus fear. So when we start practicing that more and building coming towards each other, it's easier to go to that sandbox bank account and put some money in there. Mm-hmm. It's easier to know that, you know, we are for each other the rest of our lives. And I think the last thing about transformational relationships I would just say is like, I think there's something really beautiful, whether you're in your 20s or in your 70s, uh, is is really seeing the beauty of becoming each other's best friend, you know, and not because we don't have other close friends that are wonderful and amazing, but there's something beautiful about knowing that my, my most secure relationship besides my walk with the Lord is with my spouse, you know, with this person I'm dating and eventually marrying. That's how do we build that up? Mm-hmm. Because we get to.
0: Yeah. Todd mulliken has been my guest. You can go to toddmullican.com if you want to learn more about Todd. He spells his last name M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N, ToddMullican.com. He's also got a book out called Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. And if you'd like to get in on the drawing, I've got a number of copies I can give out. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, 877 933 8-4. Todd, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Bill. So always much. good really to chat it. with you. Back and, show. Yeah, you've thank got you. such a nice tone about you and great content and uh, you always brings so you bring so much for us to think about, so thank you. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, that wraps up our show. Thanks to all my guests. Really been a fun day. I've loved being with you uh, today. I hope you have a great night. I'm looking forward to our time tomorrow. We're going to continue our prayer series. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself are going to be inviting back... Uh, Dr. David Clark. As we continue to jump into the subject of prayer, we're going to continue that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I can't wait. Also, David Wheaton is going to be joining me and Dr. Paul Kengar. That's all ahead tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. See you soon.